Welcome to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. Welcome to the Female Insight Zone. This is Mary Beth Kosmeski. I am thrilled today to have on our show Melinda Whitstock. She is the CEO and founder of Verifeed. She is really involved in something that I think we're all going to be really interested in once we find out what it is, which is return on authenticity. That's what her firm does. She's a serial entrepreneur, award-winning journalist, content marketer. She has an amazing new podcast, and I am just thrilled to be able to talk to Melinda today. So welcome, Melinda. Oh, it's so great to be with you. Thank you for having me. So let's start by talking about Verifeed. I know that it is a predictive social intelligence solution, and it gets into figuring out what people are interested in and how you get people to have this return on authenticity. So talk a little bit about what your firm does and how you got it started. Well, it's so interesting how we arrived at this concept of authenticity, because when our algorithms and processes were analyzing all these millions of social media conversations at Verifeed, we started to see some trends and brands and businesses and individuals that talk to their prospects or customers as human beings, <laughs> you know, authenticity. <laughs> yeah, imagine that. We're doing much better than everybody else by like whatever metric, however we looked at it. You know, they were influencing more people. They had a much higher chance of driving really viral word of mouth. You know how it's always better if a third party sings your praises instead of you yourself. It just sort of has more influence. And we noticed that those folks had really avid fans and customers. And it's because the other best practice was making your followers, friends, whatever, making them feel special. And moreover, making it about them, you know, not about you. Hmm. And at the same time as we understood this to be authenticity, and we actually kind of broke it down, like, what does this actually mean, you know, in practice? And how can this be replicated, this sort of trend? We also really understood from our customers that they were very frustrated with social media because they weren't getting a measurable return on it all these metrics were sort of like vanity metrics, like, oh, I have likes and follows and this sort of thing. But it was impossible to tie that back to your bottom line in any meaningful way. And so I guess I'm the type of entrepreneur that always thinks to like hard businesses, you know, like I'm going for a big challenge, right? And so I was like, well, wait a minute, how can I tie this back? Like, um, and I settled in this, this area of return on authenticity, which is a series of algorithms and also human processes. Because I'll be honest, it's not just a tech solution. It's not just data. There's also intuition and creativity involved. And so it's very kind of a left brain, right brain kind of balance. Right, exactly. You know, you talk about speaking from the heart. And when you speak from the heart and you do it in a genuine and authentic way, that you can wildly outperform rivals. And I think in business, we think we've got to, you know, people don't really want to know what's in our heart, but they actually do, right? They do. And I mean, actually, you see a powerful trend now on the personal brand side where there is data also that shows that CEOs, moreover, even just gig workers, you know, freelancers, if you have like a personal brand presence on social media, your company is able to do much better as well because 
kind of a trend being driven by millennials, but it's really now across all generations, is that people do business with people. People buy products from people they know and like, and this is important, trust. It's all about the relationship. And so the beautiful thing about social media, if you do it right, you can get personalization and build that relationship at scale. And that's really where we're going. But honestly, millennials, everybody else won't buy from you unless they know you. They want to know you. They don't want to just buy from a a logo. (laughs) They want to buy from a human being. Right, exactly. So how does Verifeed work? How do you employ this left brain, right brain side, the analytics and the algorithms along with the speaking from the heart? So how does it work? Okay, that's a potentially long answer. (laughs) (laughs) I will keep it quite straightforward. I mean, first of all, it's about knowing yourself and knowing your mission and being in alignment with it. So, I mean, on a personal level as well, as you can extrapolate that out to a company. You know, what is the unique value proposition? What is the mission? What is the thing, the passion of a company that everybody in that company can fall in line behind, genuinely, like, connect with? And how can that be accomplished? On the flip side of that, though, who are your ideal customers or your ideal influencers or who are the people who already want what you're selling? They just don't know you yet. And this is really the human piece of connecting the dots before we really jump into using the software. Because with all sorts of data and software, if your initial inquiry is kind of off or wrong, you don't really get the results. But once we know you and really help you know you, (laughs) right, we can really use the software, which is a mix of artificial intelligence and machine learning and natural language processing, a whole bunch of other things, to really, number one, find your ideal customers, understand them by really monitoring their social conversations and understanding who they are, like psychographically, not just in the demographic, but then also getting you into your authenticity and creating a playbook and the strategy by which and a proven methodology by which you engage them over time. Now, it's important to also understand that this is not an instant process. I think we live in such a fast-paced culture. We expect to just put funnel page up there and just convert a whole bunch of traffic and that's that done. It just doesn't work that way. I mean, the direct sell or anything works really well when there's validation on social media. In fact, 92% of us don't even buy it from anyone unless one of our friends has recommended it (laughs) on Mm -hmm. social media. And people are sort of checking you out that way before they're going to go and press, yes, submit, yes, I want this, yes, I'm going to buy from you. And so we work to really develop those relationships, but do so in a very highly targeted way. So you're only really engaging with people that you know have a likelihood of buying from you or engaging with you. So it takes a lot of the guesswork out of that marketing. And it's an ongoing process. And the beauty of the data is not only is it predictive and it gets you the people you want to engage with, but we can measure your progress over time. And moreover, it informs every other piece of your marketing. Yeah, it's amazing what you're doing. It's really needed. Now, I know that just recently it came out that there's these companies, which we've all known about for a while, that will help you get 
all of these sort of fake Twitter followers. Have you heard about this story oh. that came out oh, where yeah. it's basically bots? You're a celebrity, you're a politician, and you don't want to have 7,000 followers. You want to have 7 million followers or whatever. And so you can pay companies to get you all these fake followers. How does that impact you know the work that you're doing and what the computer learning and the AI and all that stuff, does that impact it when everybody has all these fake well, followers? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it does in a way because it makes it harder to know for the consumer who to trust, which makes authenticity all the more important. Yeah. Right. At a 30,000 foot level. Right. Because if you don't know you're talking to a bot or whatever, which increasingly is going to be an issue, it already is. You're going to want to know that you are actually talking to a human being. And if you are a company that uses chatbots, which I think are great, by the way, but I think you have to do it with authenticity. You can say, hey, I'm Melinda's chatbot. <laughs> and I like tennis, you know, whatever, you know. But just that's important too, just the transparency and that kind of building of trust. What's interesting though that I find curious is when Facebook or Twitter or whoever says, oh goodness, we didn't know. Well, our software, Verifeed, like really when we were just beginning the company, we could tell what was a bot and what wasn't just by analyzing the entire Twitter firehose. And so for all the companies out there that attempted to say, oh, right, I want to look like I'm popular by having 7 million followers. You know, none of those people are your customers. They're bots. They're not really going to engage with you in a meaningful way. And increasingly now we know, say even a huge chunk of Donald Trump's huge, like, uptick in followers leading up to the election, those were paid and our software could even detect that they were paid for. Yeah. They were either bots or they were paid for. I mean, it's interesting. So I don't know. I guess it did him some good. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit. I know you started a podcast. Tell us about the podcast because I understand oh, that it has been yeah. very popular and I am looking forward to being on your podcast, actually. But talk yeah, a little bit about what that wait. podcast is. Well, I'm a female entrepreneur and a serial entrepreneur. And, you know, it's a really interesting journey. And it's a passion project for me and my moonshot is to invest $10 million over the next 10 years in 100-plus female founders and to really catalyze the ecosystem where women really show up and help each other. So I remember I'm of the generation where often I was the only woman in the room, also as a tech entrepreneur, really difficult to get funding. I've seen women, including myself, with like huge amounts of traction, revenue, great IP, and all that kind of stuff, not get funding when a bunch of guys get like this massive check and they literally barely have a working prototype. And that really has to change. So I've also seen, and just by even examining myself, some of the ways in which women have like everything they need to really crush it in entrepreneurship. And on the other hand, get in their own way, either by being like perfectionist or being too slow to hire, not really understanding leverage, <laughs> right? Hmm. Or thinking too small or, you know, like, I don't know, not seizing the day in terms of personal branding or singing their own accomplishments. I mean, a whole series of things like that. So I really wanted to variously affirm and acclaim the entrepreneurial journey of women because too many women succeed in silence. <laughs> and mm. no, not all entrepreneurs are wearing hoodies and toiling in their garages, <laughs> right? Right. Or eating ramen noodles or too many carbs. 
right? So <laughs> I want to right? like, I wanted this to change all of that. And, you know, on the podcast, we go really into the challenge. We talk very transparently and authentically, you know, about what was the journey like, like the actual like biographical kind of detail of that journey, all the challenges, how those were overcome. We also get into the connection between personal growth and business growth because they are one in the same. If you want therapy, become an entrepreneur. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but also really proven tips, hacks, methodologies, strategies for entrepreneurialism, which applies whether you have a startup or you're scaling a business, or honestly, whether you're in the corporate sector or a nonprofit, or you're a solopreneur because you really need these skills in which being able to be flexible and being able to innovate and be able to build teams and all of that, the way our economy is transitioning, everybody needs these skills. So get into the practical, you know, like the how-tos as well. Right. I just think it's amazing what it takes when you become an entrepreneur. It's like having kids. You don't really know what you're going to get into. Everyone can tell you, but until you experience it yourself, <laughs> you, really, sure. you really don't know because every situation is different. Every child is different. And it's the same thing with starting your own business. It seems like it's just going to be easy. I interviewed a woman on this show that she went in front of 60 venture capitalists, 60, and was turned down 60 times. And the 61st time she got funding. The question that I asked her was, what kept you going for 60 times? She goes, I knew I had a really good idea, but no one was you know, listening to her. And you know, there's a lot of issues with her product and everything else. But for the most part, she had an amazing business idea, but couldn't get the funding. And I think that what you're doing for women and committing to invest back in female-owned businesses, it's absolutely amazing. And congratulations for doing that. It's so important that we all do that for each other. I mean, really, it's getting out of a scarcity thinking, I think, for a long time. I think a lot of women sort of thought, and with some justification, that, oh, there were only so many positions for women at the top. And women kind of competed with each other rather than just competing generally. And I think that's really changing a lot and changing quickly, almost in a quantum kind of way. And I think that's wonderful. And I think we all, you know, give forward and help other women, that kind of change is going to happen really quickly. I mean, even last year, we've seen a flourishing new venture funds that are run entirely by women for women, like whether it's built by girls or female founders fund or LVEST now. I mean, there's a series of them and it's very exciting to see. Yeah, it's really exciting. And I, and I hope it continues and keeps building and building steam and the work you're doing. And hopefully this will start to crack and make a big difference in, in what's actually happening because we need to make some major advances. It's not like, oh, well, we're a little bit behind. No, we're a lot behind and we should be right up there even. So I really applaud the work that you're doing and share with our audience, if you could, where they could find out more about your podcast and Verifeed and you. Okay, great. Well, awesome. Thank you. So Wings of Inspired Business. Wings, by the way, stands for Women Innovating, Networking, Growing, Scaling. <laughs> Wings of Inspired Business can be found anywhere you get podcasts. First of all, so iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, you know, Google Play, the whole place. You can also go to wingspodcast.com or probably easier just to go to melindawitstock.com. No H in that, so Melinda, W-I-T-T-S-T-O-C-K dot com. You can find me at Melinda Whitstock on LinkedIn and on Facebook. 
You can find me on Twitter as Melinda Wings or Verifeed.com. You can get me there as well. And the Twitter handle for Verifeed is Variate, just to be confusing because we have a squatter on there. So uh, V-E-R-I-A-T-E. So I'm sort of like omnipresent on social media. You can find me pretty easily. Uh, well, that is awesome. So thank you so much for being a part of the Female Insight Zone today and sharing about your companies and your story. Really appreciate it. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Female Insight Zone, a podcast dedicated to sharing insights from women who have made an indelible mark in business and the path they took to soar. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.